Welcome to the Beargrass Christian Church Podcast. I'm Dee Decker, Director of Communications here at Beargrass, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. We are continuing our series called Lost and Found, and this week we're looking at the parable of the shrewd manager found in Luke 16, 1 through 13. This is a puzzling parable. A landowner learns his manager has been wasting his money. And as the manager, he's responsible for doing things like buying and selling grain, oil, crops, collecting the rent, those types of things. But he is actually doing some wheeling and dealing of his own in this story. Perhaps a good parable is supposed to make us ask more questions. And in this parable, where's the good news? Was he doing a good thing by lowering the merchant's debts? Can anything good ever come out of a dishonest action? Here now, Dr. Lee Bond. Thank you, Rob. And again, good morning. I'm glad you are here. We are trying to drive up the youth coffee sales this morning, so uh, you know where to go right after worship. And feel free to, to snuggle up next to people you know and don't know this morning, just uh, to stay warm. But uh, welcome, Iowa. Thanks for bringing your weather to us. And uh, we are, we're delighted to have you with us today. And uh, you may be heading off to cooler climbs uh, from this place. So God bless you as you go. Uh, we're in the midst of a series called Lost and Found. And uh, we're thinking about what a spirit-led community and life look like. And uh, today we move from Luke 15's powerful parables onto this perplexing parable at the beginning of Luke 16. As always, I encourage you to read these passages before you come to worship, but this week I meant it more than usual. And I wanted you to read this passage this week because I I thought it would really bother you. Uh, For instance, uh, how would you define the word squander? What do you think of when you hear the word shrewd? Would you consider it to be an attractive attribute to have shrewd squanderer on your resume? That's what we see in the text today. Uh, Obviously, this is a difficult parable to decipher. It reminds me of the prim and proper Sunday school teacher who warned her students about the dangers of drinking. But one young man knew enough to ask her, well, what about that story where Jesus turned water into wine? How do you explain that one? And uh, frustrated, she said, I don't know how to explain it, but I do know I'd have a lot more respect for Jesus if he hadn't done it. (laughs) Right? Her attitude may be how we feel about this parable. We wish she hadn't told it. Uh, And just to kind of sum up what's going on here, a landowner learns his manager has been wasting his money. The word waste is the same one used to describe the prodigal son in the previous parable. Uh, as the manager, the, he's responsible for doing things like buying and selling grain and oil and crops and collecting rent, those kinds of things. But the manager is also doing his own wheeling and dealing in this story. I think he would be very much at home on Capitol Hill right now. Uh, on the verge of being fired, <laughs> after his boss finds out, the manager comes up with a scheme that he hope will endear him to his clients. His idea is <laughs> to do something they will appreciate, so when he needs help, they will be glad to offer it. It seems that quid pro quo has been around for a long, long time, right? 
so he is preparing basically for his unemployment and severance package. And he devises a clever plan for his own social security. The manager seizes the opportunity to network with his master's debtors before the story hits the headlines. And so he reduces uh, what's probably the commission or the interest portion of the debts, which can be as much as a 50% reductions, good stuff, just as they are with new car and furniture shoppers. These no interest loans are a big hit with the customers. So yeah, good point. Uh, His scheme becomes a brilliant win-win-win situation. The rich landowner is glorified and praised in the minds of the debtors for his apparent generosity. The MasterCard debt is greatly reduced for the debtors, and the manager provides for his own future security. What a deal! But what a puzzling parable! My gosh, is it is a good parable supposed to make us ask more questions? Ah, where where is the good news in this story of this blatant cheater? Can anything good ever come out of dishonest actions? And if a parable is an important lesson about the realm of God, what is the lesson we learn from this peculiar story? What will we do with a story? Now, there are lots of options. Some folks prefer to dismiss it, dump it, get rid of it, ignore it. Some say this text discredits Christians as scoundrels. Some offer it... Uh, up as an argument against capitalism. One scholar describes the enormous literature that's been written about this story as a jungle of <laughs> a jungle of explanations. And another person proclaimed, there is no parable with as many enticing dead-end possibilities as this one. Is there any good news to be found here? Incredibly, the landowner marvels at his manager's ingenuity. The landowner, thought to be God in the story, is this the real star, the real focus, I suppose. Jesus describes this landowner, this this God of ours, as not once but twice providing for the salvation for the manager. First, he, he doesn't throw him in prison. He could have done that. And then gracefully, the landowner applauds the shrewdness of the manager who accomplished so much with so little. It's the creativity that's praiseworthy, not the dishonesty, the creativity. So are there times when the end justifies the means? And then maybe this parable is just supposed to bother us. Maybe, maybe we just need to sit with it for a while or let it sit on us for a while. Some of Jesus' stories are pretty straightforward. This one is not. I wish we could turn to the back of the Bible for the answers like some of our grade school textbooks. Sometimes the road to understanding is clear and open and easy. In this case, we may end up in more theological cul-de-sac than freeways. Can we see ourselves more clearly in any part of this story? Maybe there there are some insights here into life within the community of faith. Now, as we read this story, we may want to jump in and be quick. Yeah, we want to be quick to judge the manager. But then we realize that after he has fallen short, he is still forgiven in a weird sort of way. The strange parable still has a thread of of grace and, and mercy in it. So when we think about falling short, 
We all do. Any perfect people in the room this morning? If so, please leave. You're not welcome here because we're all messed up. Uh, In fact, many of us remain in church because we are messed up. Because we see imperfections in those around us and ourselves. We all have that important characteristic in common. Thanks be to God. Uh, We discover that our brokenness can bring us together. But we also see church as a place where we're called to to take the higher road. And if we're paying attention, we will often see people around us in our communities of faith who are working very hard to follow Jesus more faithfully and closely and loyally. Most people, most of us church folk, most of you all here want to be better people, right? Would you agree? Yeah, in church where we are with others who who also see the gap between profession and practice and and want to narrow that gap. In church, we find people who aren't that different from us and who are on similar faith journeys as our own. and, And we all get lost. We all stray. But we also try to maintain our God priorities in our lives. You know, I, after reading this again, I think the, the parable is kind of the prelude to the heart of the matter at the end of the passage, and especially in verse 10, if you have your Bibles open or your phones out. Uh, as Jesus draws out the implications of the parable, he says, whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest in much, Right? That's clear enough. That describes the manager in the story. So part of the point of the the parable is don't be like him. But Jesus also turns it a little bit to state the application positively. Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. That's the description, I think, of most of the people we actually meet in church, people who are working hard to be consistent in their approach to both the minor and major matters and questions of life and faith, as Stephen pointed out uh, to our children this morning. Sure, there are going to be times we fall short, and yet it is good for our souls It is good for our souls to be in a community with people who are striving to be faithful disciples of Jesus. It is good for our souls to be among people who accept the responsibilities of being church, sometimes thankless and difficult ones, and still show up week after week after week to get things done. It is good for our souls to be among people who quietly go about their business between the Sundays and do their best to be faithful, fruitful, honest, caring in their vocations, whatever their duties are. It is good. It is good for our souls to be among people who respond with kindness to those in need who unexpectedly cross their paths, their commitment is contagious. They they rub off on us. You out there are rubbing off on each other as you live out your faith and commitment to God. In a few weeks, we will celebrate All Saints Day here in this place. And 
This year, there will be about 40 names on that list of folks within this church family who have passed away this last year. And I'll tell you this, not one of the folks on that list was perfect. We, we say All Saints Day, but, you know, saints are just members of the church. They, none of them perfect, but all of them made a difference. All of them had powerful stories about their lives. Two of the names on the list will be Leonard Kaufman and George Duthie, who both passed away in recent weeks. Both of those gentlemen made such a positive impact on thousands of people through their dedication to their vocations. Both of them were committed servant leaders within the church. Both of them were beloved by family members and friends. But as we celebrated and gave thanks for their lives and legacy, we also remembered the countless acts of kindness and goodness they shared in their lives. Both of them rejected recognition. Both of them humbly served behind the scenes and helped in steady, quiet ways. Faithful in little, but also faithful in much, like so many of the folks in our Beargrass history. And I hope you had a chance uh, to start reading through the most recent uh, edition. There are copies at the desk outside, but great stories of great people. At George's service, I talked about what Dr. John Killinger describes as the great importance of little deeds. He says, when truth and love are combined in an individual or a church, we can have what Jesus called the salt of the earth. We are able to preserve and bring out the beauty of our faith. It doesn't take a lot, just a little bit here and there goes a long way. But it's an exciting thought, he says, that when we die, it will not be our major achievements that speak for us. It will be the small, inconsequential acts and the things we did, those little things that that really hold the world together. They will be remembered like the crowns of the saints. Mother Teresa expressed it in an even more remarkable and eloquent way. She said, we are to co-create with God to bring good out of evil. We are to love as Jesus loves, to help as Jesus helps, to serve as Jesus serves, to forgive as Jesus forgives, and be with him always, meeting him in his distress. Dressing disguises. Isn't that an interesting phrase? She said when she met people who were unusually mean or unusually disturbed or needy, she said that they were Jesus in a distressing disguise. In other words, she felt called to bring out the best in them. With that perspective, she reached out to minister to those folks that had significant problems and issues. It's remarkable. So perhaps we should wrestle with this parable as well, like Jacob of old, and not let go until some new insights come through. Maybe it would help to take the money out of the story because... Whatever we do with whatever we have reveals much about our character and how we relate with God and others. Jesus, I think, urges all of us through this parable to 
to have a, a priority check, to focus on what are the true riches in our lives. I think Jesus just wants to remind us again that there is more. There's more to this life than wheeling and dealing and merger making and downsizing and outsourcing and bottom line. And there is more to this life than, than being overloaded and stressed out and burned out and boxed in and hypertensive and super sensitive. This God life empowers us to live with a deeper sense of meaning, which defies the conventional wisdom of our day. There is much more. Much more now and in the life to come. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Beargrass Christian Church podcast. We dropped a special bonus episode yesterday called the Pumpkin Podcast, where I sit down with Reverend Stephen Straub and we talk about the Great Pumpkin Caper, Fall Festival, the Boy Scouts and all kinds of stuff. You're going to want to tune into that one as well. We have a lot going on in the life of our community. Go to www.beargrass.org to learn more. Until next time, peace.